At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app, ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. With the first jewel claim. Oh, it's a photo of the Derby! Mystic Dan! The race for the Triple Crown erupts into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock. going on? Welcome into Pet the Edge here on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman, with the whale capper himself, Drew Dinsick. And coming up on today's show, we will be joined by Patrick McDonald with how to attack betting the Ryder Cup and find out who he likes to be the top U.S. point scorer. Kenny Ducey is also here to handicap the best wagers in Major League Baseball today, plus Edge of the Day, all that. So much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, how we doing? Oh, we're doing well. It was a good Monday night football game. Winners all around. Congratulations to you for the no sweater. I had to sweat out that uh, Detroit under 17 and a half with the second half shutout on behalf of the Packers defense. So good job, Packers. But yeah, no, week two in the books for the NFL. There's a lot of takeaways. There's a lot of work to be done this week. We mentioned it yesterday. It looks like quarterback injuries are starting to pile up. Quarterback injuries obviously move the needle more than anything else in the NFL. So it's going to be a fascinating week of handicapping. Oh, it absolutely is. And I tailed you last night for what it's worth. I typically do. So we did have to sweat that Lions play out. Came home, team total under 17 and a half. If you were not watching yesterday's show. So ultimately in the Aaron Rodgers play, of course, came home in the third quarter. The guy loves to throw touchdown passes if it's available. Don't hand it off. Just toss them. So that'll be something I'll look for the rest of the season. But yesterday, if you watched last night's game, Monday Night Football at Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers, his MVP odds shifted dramatically. He went from 28 to 1, now down to 12 to 1. There's also been a ton of other line movement for week two. The favorite still Mahomes 5 to 1, Brady plus 550, and Kyler Murray plus 750. But some of the biggest line movements we've seen, Tom Brady opened the season at 12 to 1, someone I really liked, as I mentioned, now down to plus 550. I said Aaron Rodgers, money certainly came in on him. Here's something interesting, though. Jameis Winston after week one, 16 to one. Right now, 40 to one, getting ready for week three. So obviously, we've seen a lot of movement in this market as quarterbacks have performed. Obviously, the favorites to an MVP for the NFL season. Is there anyone that you've bought into or ultimately are you waiting to get more involved in this market? Well, this is a fascinating market and the overreactions from week to week, especially this early in the season are they're like head snapping. I, I, I cannot believe how quickly they are adjusting some of these numbers because we have so far to go. Pretty clearly, Mahomes ought to be the favorite. I think there's probably still a you know, a plus EV play to be made on him at five to one here. I agreed with you on Brady preseason. I obviously am heavy on Tampa Bay to get you know the most wins in the NFC. That gives him an MVP case right there. Besides the fact that he looks like he's on pace to set the record for all time passing touchdowns, of course, with the extra game this year. So um, Brady will be in the mix. Mahomes will be in the mix. The rest of these guys at the top of the market are really going to rely on their team to continue to win to be in the mix. And that's where I have trouble seeing guys like Murray Wilson and Stafford 
Stafford ultimately being in the discussion at the end of the day because the NFC West is so full of talented teams and they're going to knock each other down throughout this season. Uh, and I think ultimately that helps Brady's case because Brady, you know, there should be some separation here with Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC South clearing their way for the one seed. Uh, whereas the rest of these guys are going to be fighting, you know, tooth and nail. Um, and then ultimately the case for Mahomes is clear. His defense is not great. He is going to have to score 30 points a game if they're going to be winning, particularly against some of the tougher teams on their schedule. So the likelihood that Mahomes sets the all-time passing yardage record this year, I think, is pretty good. Um, and uh, realistically, I think if that number drifts, if let's say they lose to the Chargers, let's say they lose to the Bills week five and you know the Chiefs are two and three or something like that, um, you might get a shot at Mahomes at an even better price than five to one. And that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points. It's hard not to like Patrick Mahomes, even at that five to one. Tom Brady would be the second, in my opinion, best odds still to get involved for all the reasons you mentioned. We'll talk about Tom Brady later in the show because edge of the day, Drew and I have started to both get involved in week three for the NFL. So we'll talk more on him later. But we did get some notes back from points bet. For what it's worth, Kyler Murray plus 750 is the most bet for MVP since the start of the season. Uh, Jalen Hurts did take some action that tapered off. But right now, Matt Stafford 10 to one. And then Brady plus 550 also taking the most action over at points bet. Now, if you've drafted your fantasy team, make sure to dominate your league, purchase an NBC Sports Edge Plus subscription, get player projections, rankings, alerts for players on your roster, so much more. Type in the code Sarah10, you will get 10% off any annual subscription. Drew10 works as a code as well to get 10% off. And as we mentioned, if you were firing away on the NBC Sports Edge Plus subscription last night, given the player props, then you did quite well. You had Aaron Jones come in pretty clearly over. You had uh, Swift receptions over. There, there was a lot uh, to like as you pick through that market. And uh, realistically, that's, you know, of through two weeks of the season, if there's a trend that I can point you to where winning betters are just having a field day, it has been in the player prop market. If you had Aaron Jones on your fantasy team, daily fantasy or regular season fantasy team, kudos to you. Had an epic night last night thanks to his four touchdowns. Not on my fantasy team. Big loss for this girl, but overall great game. We'll get back to the NFL in just a little bit. Now, if you are watching our show on the YouTube channel, you're probably wondering, where am I? A lot of people walking around me. Well, I am at Whistling Straits here for the Ryder Cup, and we're going to chat about the Ryder Cup here now with Patrick McDonald here to break this down for us. And as I look in the media room, it's really cool to be here. But for me, I'm still having some trouble wagering on this event and on this crazy competition. Ultimately, right now, I look at the board, and USA is minus 190 to be the outright winner for the Ryder Cup. And as we know, Europe has certainly dominated this competition. U.S. just have two wins over their last nine tries. It is on U.S. soil. You could certainly argue the U.S. has a better roster, but they're young. So how do you find value right now in attacking this market? Sarah Drew, thanks for having me on. I think you just made some really good points there, Sarah. And I think each side, there's a case to be made. U.S. minus 190. This is their best team on paper ever. Average world ranking is eight or nine. One of the youngest, like you said, they don't really have that scar tissue from Ryder Cup's past. And you have names like Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, and at minus 190, that could be the best number you get all week on this U.S. team. But on the flip, plus 190, you're giving me a European squad that has won seven out of the last nine, nine out of the last 12 Ryder Cups. They have the best player in the world in John Rahm. They have Sergio Garcia, who has 25 and a half points in this team event. 
That is the same amount as all 12 Americans combined in their career. Ian Poulter, 14, 6, and 2 in his Ryder Cup career. So I think there is a case to be made for each side. And because of that, I'm a bit kind of pessimistic about picking either or. And I'm probably going to wait a little bit. There's so many different markets being offered this week from top points getter, day one leader, day two leader, and then the eventual matches, which will get priced up once they're announced. And so I'm going to take the wait and see approach. I think U.S. will get off to a fast start on day one. They have typically. And at that point, if the number's right on the Europeans, uh, I might go attack that angle. Ooh, we're a little head to head on that one. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your breakdown of that. But uh, because I, first, actually, let's just go right to that. Yeah. So uh, day one is foursomes and four balls. Day two is foursomes and four balls. As I look at the foursomes, particularly, I see a pretty substantial advantage for Europe. Just the way that these teams have continuity, the, the Europeans typically play better in the foursomes. I personally think Europe first to five points is a fun play. I like Europe to lead after day one at uh, about plus 130, but you're exactly on the other side of me here. What's the case for USA uh, to lead after round one? Yeah, so if you look at the last six Ryder Cups, the U.S. have led in five out of the six first sessions, and obviously that alternates depending on Europe and uh, U.S. where they're playing, if that's four ball or four sum. Uh, in Paris in 2018, they're up three to one after the first session and then got swept in the afternoon in the foursome setting. But I think the United States really takes it to Europe. It's kind of been a tortoise and hare situation uh, the past couple of decades in the Ryder Cup. Uh, the U.S. has led four out of the last six times after day one, including three out of the last three on U.S. soil. So at Valhalla, Medina and Hazeltine, I think something similar could be in store this week. Uh, you have Bryson DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler, likely paired together in four ball. They're going to bring a lot of birdies. And in that foursome setting that you're bringing into question, you have Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, who were electric together in Paris. And then you're also bringing in this new team of Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele, who are undefeated in that setting at Royal Melbourne uh, for the President's Cup in 2019. And so hmm. I think they could draw, go two to two in that way, uh, and then kind of take the edge, take the lead uh, in the four ball setting. Let me ask you this. If I want to get involved in a different market, you could wager on the U.S., uh, top U.S. point score. And I did use our edge projection tools. And right now it's actually saying Colin Marikawa is projected to finish first. And right now I look at the board nine to one to be the top U.S. point score. What say you in this market? Are you getting involved in this prop market? So the most important part about this market is opportunity, right? Which player is going to play all five sessions? And if you're on the United States side, I think you're pretty comfortable in saying Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas are going to play all four team sessions together. And then Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele are as well. And if I'm Padraig Harrington, uh, the Europeans captain, I'm trying to take out that duo of Spieth and Thomas. They're probably going to go out first, uh, the first day potentially. And I'm trying to pair my best duo against them, take the U.S. crowd out of it. And if you can get a half point or a point out of them, that'll bring a lot of confidence and energy to this European team. But that leaves the duo of Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay uh, in a really good spot. And Alexander, he's down to plus 700, but he opened at plus 850 last week, plus 800 last night, and already down to 7-1. and one. So the steam's on him. And truth be told, either him or Cantlay uh, would be good bets in my book. But I kind of see Stricker utilizing Cantlay in that 8-9 spot on Sunday in singles, where the Ryder Cup is typically won. And if the U.S. does blow out Europe, which could happen, uh, I'd expect Xander to be out in front of Cantlay, which gives him more control of his singles match. It lets him play through the entirety of that match. And Cantlay, 
he might be one down with, you know, two, three holes to go and it, it's conceded. And while that won't matter for the U.S., it does uh, when you're betting on top points getter. That's a strong breakdown, and I completely agree with you there. We're on the same page for Xander being the top U.S. points getter. Cantlay also in the mix, 100% agree with the market movement there. But yeah, no, I think my plan of attack, I'm going to wait this out. I think Europe can take a lead, and then uh, on the final day, when every, when all the, because the U.S. The U.S. guys, they're mercenaries, man. They're not team players, uh, and they're, I think they're going to show up, though, on Sunday, and they're going to win a lot of their singles and, and ultimately lift the cup. So uh, I'm going to be looking for a live entry on U.S. at better than, uh, better than even money. Now, coming up at noon Eastern today, going for the green Ryder Cup edition, of course, live on our YouTube channel. I'm here at Whistling Straits, as well as Will Gray, Jordan Sick. We'll break down that more to hear some of our plays leading into Ryder Cup. Patrick, really appreciate the time and all your insight. Be sure to follow Patrick on Twitter at Amateur Status and his golf analysis and plays, of course, on NBCSportsEdge.com. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you guys listening to Bet the Edge. Wherever you're listening and watching, make sure to rate the podcast. Of course, sign up. We're trying to give you the most actionable information every single weekday. In just about 30 minutes or less, the lines in every single sport right now move so quickly. We want to make sure you're gaining an edge here. And be sure to hit us up on Twitter. I am available at whale underscore capper. And if you want to pick Sarah's brain for the absolute no sweat NFL prop winners, she is available at Sarah Perlman. That's my goal, to give out whatever no-sweat plays possible. (laughs) Um, I'm sure that'll change halfway through the season, but let's try to keep the no-sweat plays coming. Hopefully our guy Kenny Ducey now can give us some nice Major League Baseball insight and plays where they can come home early on. And Kenny, it's hard because we go all over the place on our show. We try to give so many actionable plays. And for baseball, you know, something I was focused so heavily on took a turn the second half of the season. But your plays have been red hot throughout. And I look now and I know you're on this Red Sox and Mets game and arguably some important games coming down to the wire here for Boston still trying to keep things going. They are favored. They're minus 140 on the money line. You've Marcus Stroman. Eduardo Rodriguez, who's been a lot better than his numbers indicate throughout the year. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez, you mentioned it, a great positive regression candidate. And uh, while he's had a little bit of an issue with the last two starts, you know, he really has started to bring those numbers back down to where they should be, where the expected ERA would say that they should be now. When you look at this matchup against the Mets, the Mets are a team, you know, this is a non-scientific, a non-quantifiable uh, answer or uh, or you know sort of breakdown on the Mets, but th- this is a team that looks very dead in the water right now. They are pretty much out of the playoff picture. They've lost too many games. They're now six back in the NL East, and they lost five in a row. They just snapped a winning streak with a three-two win against the Phillies. But when you look at how this offense has produced, runs have been very very difficult to come by. Uh, you know, three exactly three runs in the last three games. And against a a Red Sox offense that is heating up, that is not going to cut it. Uh, Also look at the fact that the Mets are 25th in OPS to left-handed pitching, uh, which will be a theme today, the left-handed pitching. I think that that is also going to be arduous for the New York Mets. So I think that this is, again, a team that has just found ways to lose lately. Their offense has been sleepwalking. Marcus Stroman has never been a guy that uh, has had peripherals that would indicate he's a frontline starter. Uh, You know, he's a very volatile option. So, I think that the, the Red Sox have found something over the last couple of weeks, fifth in WRC+. Plus. I think that they can get this win. I think that this is a very good price to back them at with a good pitcher on the mound and a good matchup against a, a very slow operating offense. 
Well, when I saw Mets on the rundown, I got excited. We were going to go uh, indoor tennis and handicap a little Andy Murray, Ugo Umber, <laughs> but uh, but no, I, we'll, we'll fade the Mets. I'll fade the Mets. I will as well. Didn't take much convincing. Uh, there we go. I got Ugo in that one, actually. Uh, the most interesting kind of team, at least from a betting angle, this last month of the season, and you've you've been on them a bunch, and it's been fruitful, has been the Colorado Rockies. And they take on the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are fighting and clawing their way out of this wild card. This team will not die. The Undertaker gif of the MLB. Uh, what make you of this uh, this uh, Rockies Dodgers matchup, and do you think uh, that uh, you know that in general the Dodgers have uh, any life to win the NL West? I mean, I, you always you can never count out the Dodgers with all the talent that they have. But I mean, look, this has just been an offense that uh, to to make a tennis comparison, it's sort of like Novak Djokovic, where they just kind of cruise along. They know that they're going to win. They know that they're they're going to be safe from even if one game wild card spot, right? They're they're going to win that game. They're just that good. So they haven't really exerted, you know, really, they haven't kicked into full gear yet. Um, and the Colorado Rockies are a team, you know, much like the, the Diamondbacks lately in a few different spots are just trying to play the role of spoiler. You know, this is a, a uh, really talented team, the team that's actually crept into the fringes of the wild card race, with how many wins they've had. They, they just snapped a five-game winning streak. But look at this matchup against the Dodgers. I'm looking at a couple different things. Julio Urias, he's been fantastic, a 1-5-3 ERA. In September, it's very difficult to fade him, but uh, he did have a little bit of an issue last time out against the Diamondbacks. Only went five innings, gave up two runs, and the Colorado Rockies are fourth in OPS to left-handed pitching. This is also a team that just went on the road. That win streak happened on the road. All those games on the road. Now they get to return home, where their offense has been fantastic at, at altitude, obviously. And when you look at this matchup with the Dodgers, they just won two out of three against the Dodgers not too long ago in Los Angeles, sort of have Los Angeles's number a little bit. So I definitely think that this is a, a, an interesting spot to back the Rockies. Also consider the fact that Urias gave up seven hits, four earned runs were five and two-thirds against the Rockies last time he saw them. Plus 175, it, you know, you're definitely going out on a limb here saying that the Rockies are going to win. But it's a very, very interesting bet for me. I love backing them against lefties. I love backing them against home. At home. And I think that the price is right here, even though the Dodgers have everything to play for. The Rockies have just been that good. At plus 175, that seems like an absolute fair play to me. By the way, close to 90% of the money coming in on the Dodgers. So it is safe to say that our friends at Points Pet rooting for the Colorado Rockies tonight. For all the reasons you mentioned, especially the Rockies at home, I like Colorado in this matchup. Another game uh, that I'm intrigued to get your opinion on here before we let you go, Kenny, is going to be the A's playing the Mariners, where the Mariners are on the road, and that's what stands out because their pitcher in Gonzalez has not been good on the road. His ERA is over four on the road compared to at home, obviously, his on-base percentage allowing to hitters has been worse on the road. Um, the A's are the better team, but this is tricky, and obviously expecting more of a low-scoring game sitting around eight, eight and a half, bouncing around this morning. What do you like in this one? Yeah, I really liked the A's last night, and they let me down. But, you know, this is another great spot, to, I think, to back the A's. You know, this is a Mariners team that really just has struggled offensively. They're exactly league average with the WRC Plus over the last two weeks. And it's a team that has sort of slept walk on offense. I mean, they've, they've gotten lucky uh, or been the beneficiary, I guess I should say, with uh, some big hit, big spots. But it's not a team that's consistently put runners on base. Now, Paul Blackburn... Do you, do you want to bet on Paul Blackbird as a favorite? Probably not. It's a, it's tough to stomach, you know, a, a five ERA that's sort of backed by uh, some terrible peripherals, a 50% hard hit rate, uh, you know, very low strikeout rate. But 
I will say that the Mariners are not a team that ranks highly in barrels and hard hit balls. This is not a team that really has a lot of skill from that perspective. And Marco Gonzalez, meanwhile, you mentioned his struggles, uh, you know, away from home, but also look at his peripherals. They're just as bad as Blackburn's 5.39 expected ERA. And he's left-handed. The Oakland A's were one of the best teams against lefties in the first half of the season. Their numbers cratered in that spot, but they're back inside the top 10 and hitting the ball a lot better against left-handed pitching. Tyler Anderson looked like a Cy Young Award winner as, last night. As soon as he came out, the, the A's woke back up on offense. I think that this is a big spot for the Oakland A's offense as they continue this fight in the AL Wild Card. I think that they can get this W tonight at home and turn this series around, win it against the Seattle Mariners, a team that uh, really, you know, they had some momentum, then they just had some disappointing lo- series losses. I, I don't know if this is exactly a playoff caliber team. I think this is a game that they lose. Okay, well, it's minus 140 now for the Oakland A's, so certainly some market agreement, not to mention real quick that Seattle now facing a righty, just hitting around 220 against righties this season, probably by 80% of the money on the Oakland A's, moving that to minus 140. But in agreement with you here, Kenny, thank you so much. Follow Kenny on Twitter at Kenny Juicy. You got to lean for me in uh, Murray Humbert? I got Ugo. Come on, you got to go. Ugo. Murray's been terrible indoors. The surface oh. is going to be fast. It's going to be a serve bot match. I think that. Well, I didn't really have a play, so I didn't really handy. I didn't handicap it. <laughs> okay. Are you going with Andy? Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of been my thought. I don't hate Andy Murray. Drew, you going head to head here? I think it goes three sets. I think Andy Murray, Sir Andy, takes the first set, and then who knows what happens after that? So we'll see. Ugo's been broken ever since he lost to Nick at Wimbledon, but I think that this is where he turns it back around and finishes strong this season. So, you know, it's a speculative play. He's also French, so who knows? Okay, maybe the over. You'll be rooting for Ugo. We'll be rooting for all of your baseball plays for tonight. Kenny, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. We wrap up the show with edge of the day. Anywhere where you see value on the board, Favorite play so far? Drew, what do you got? Favorite play so far for week three of the NFL. Time to put my money where my mouth is and go to war with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers up against the Los Angeles Rams. I love it. Yes. The Los Angeles Rams of Anaheim remain the most overrated team in the NFL by my numbers. Uh, And a ton of it has to do with their defense. This Tampa Bay offense is absolutely clicking right now. This is their first game on the road this season after two comfortable wins at home. I shouldn't say comfortable. Week one was very close, but that was, you know, they were able to overcome four turnovers and a massive penalty disparity and still get the win. Uh, And then they basically had whatever they wanted whenever they wanted it against Atlanta. I don't think things change here for Tampa Bay's offense. I think they come in and give you a full heart perform against the LA Rams. And uh, realistically, the Tampa Bay defense has a nice matchup here as well. I love how aggressive these guys are. I love that they're going to be able to get after Stafford, really put some pressure on him in the backfield. Stafford has not had to sweat much so far this season, but in a couple of moments against that against that Colts team, when the Colts were able to generate pressure, they got some of the worst out of Stafford. They, they got some inaccurate passes. They had some interceptable plays. Uh, and I think if the, um, if the aggressive Tampa Bay defense can put some pressure on him, particularly up the middle with Vita Vea and Ndamukong Sue dominating the line, line of scrimmage then I love the chances for Tampa Bay to get a pretty clean win here favorite game of the week looking forward to this one very very much and uh you know a lot of people are going to make this as sort of build this up as ooh, is this your potential NFC championship game well <laughs> if this is your potential NFC championship game then I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about my Tampa Bay to win the NFC right now I love it. We are thinking exactly the same. And it goes not only with kind of previewing the NFC, but also just in terms of this week, 
last night I was putting together some of my bets for the NFL and you know I love teasers and this is one of my favorite teaser legs hence what I'm doing today a six-point teaser I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I did play this when it was one and a half so it's seven and a half still like it at plus seven for a six-point teaser which by the way so much money is coming in on Tampa Bay this morning this line is heading in one direction would not be surprised to see Tampa Bay favored by half or a pick em. But for all the reasons you said, Matt Stafford's going to be put under pressure. This Rams offensive line, I think, will leak pressure again, especially to we know Tampa Bay's pass rush is so good. Tom Brady's playing like an MVP. We talked about that off the top of the show. Five touchdown passes against the Falcons in week two. Um, I like his ability actually to be able to find success against this Rams secondary. So that is my first uh, leg of this teaser. My other one, here's where we're going. Take the Washington football team and get 15 and a half at Buffalo. Get over that key number of two touchdowns. Washington is coming off after rest. That's one of my favorite things. I was confused to see this game with the second biggest spread on the board for week three. They still have one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. I know they've struggled a little bit, but I do trust Ron Rivera to make improvements with this extra rest now and find some adjustments. Josh Allen has not been as sharp as he was last season through two weeks in this season. Um, their defense has been strong, just allowing 23 points a game. I don't think this is going to be a high scoring game. So for me, getting that 15 and a half over those key numbers, obviously with two touchdowns to work with my two team teaser, Tampa Bay plus seven and a half, and then Washington plus 15 and a half in Buffalo, Drew. Yes. You know, it's funny, real quick, I did look at Washington just at the nine. I saw some money coming in on Washington. Just, you know, obviously Buffalo looked so good last week. Don't think we see that again this week. So, so much love will come in on Buffalo. To me, this is the right side to back the dog in this spot with now so many extra points to work with in the teaser. But even at nine, I was tempted to take a jab at this football team and their defense to get things going with 10 days of rest. But yeah, other teaser likes on the board I might give out. But that's all we have for you guys. Don't forget, be sure to go to NBCSportsEdge.com. So much insight analysis tools to help you without your wagers. Don't forget to rate, subscribe. We appreciate you listening. Good luck with all your plays, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.